You know, I'm getting old. I'm getting really old. I promised myself 30 years ago when I was 20 that I would not do like my parents, and that is uh, lose touch with my children's generation. Uh, they got old too. Uh, no, I wasn't going to be like that. I was going to continue to listen to cool music and watch cool movies and, and be up with the latest lingo and fads. After all, aren't Run DMC and Top Gun still cool, right? No. <laughs> Goose would know that one. Um, well, I failed. I'm old, okay? And when someone said the other day, uh, ha- I heard, overheard a conversation, have you DTR'd yet? I felt like a total geezer. I'm like, what does that mean? And then I had to look it up on the Urban Dictionary when I got home. DTR means define the relationship. You know, in every important relationship we have in this this world, there comes a defining moment when you've got to understand how you relate to that other person. And I believe that Palm Sunday for us as Christians is a DTR day, a define the relationship day. I think it begs the question, Have you defined your relationship with Jesus Christ? I mean, what does your relationship look like? Are you uh, merely an acquaintance with Jesus? Or are you that deep, intimate, meaningful, uh, are you in a deep, intimate, meaningful relationship with Jesus? Like we enjoy on Facebook and Twitter. Just kidding. (laughs) Or is there something more to it than that? Define the relationship. Or put it another way. Are you a fan of Jesus Christ or a follower of Jesus Christ? I think it's on this Sunday that we ask that question, fan or follower. Because on Palm Sunday, we just watched and we joined with a crowd of folks who professed their love for Jesus with their lips on Sunday. And then five days later, when it it was time for skin in the game, they fled and left Jesus high and dry. So it is we join with that crowd today. We define our relationship, and it was such a fickle relationship that they had with Jesus 2,000 years ago. Sometimes we share in that, don't we? We were outside today, started the service with Matthew 21. You'll remember that wonderful reading. The crowds, it says, went before Jesus and followed him, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest And when he entered Jerusalem, they were stirred up. And they asked, who is this? Define who he is. And they said, this is the prophet Jesus of Nazareth in Galilee. You see, they loved Jesus on Palm Sunday. Man, this guy is great. They remembered the prophecy from the Old Testament in Zechariah. Hundreds of years before in 9.9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming, righteous and having salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see the mood that day, Palm Sunday? This is the one. He's the new David. The king's arrived. We're going to have a new Israel, a new ruler, out with Caesar. All hail Jesus. On that Palm Sunday, it seemed like they would follow Jesus pretty much anywhere he took them, right? But by Friday, the true relationship they had with Jesus was defined, and they turned out to be fans and not followers. Admirers, admirers who wanted a king to do their bidding, to make them prosperous yet again as a nation, to make their lives better, to make them happy. 
to prosper them. And when Jesus turned out not to be the prosperity king, they turned on him. They turned on him. So Pilate's words were defining words today. They defined the relationship they had with Jesus. He asked the crowd, which of these two should I release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus, whom you call the Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. Let him be crucified. Why? What has he done, Pilate says. And they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. Hear the answer to that question again. I know we read it every year, but, but listen to what Pilate's saying. The crowd doesn't respond and just say, you keep Jesus, we'll take Barabbas. No, they place themselves as both judge and jury. Pilate doesn't ask them to give the sentence. They, in fact, call the sentence for themselves, crucify him. And we join with them today as we remember how fickle we can often be. Sometimes we're fans of Jesus, but not real followers. Imagine, some of the people in the crowd that Sunday were probably the same some of those people, the same people that said Hosanna in the highest on Sunday, were probably the ones who said crucify him on Friday, five days later. We can be fickle. And some of you may say today, well, that's because they didn't know Jesus very well. I mean, they weren't like the disciples who knew him so well. But yeah, even the disciples were fickle. This Thursday, on Monday Thursday, we'll remember multiple things. One is the foot washing of Jesus. We'll reenact that and we'll remember that commandment he gives us to love one another as he loved us. And that we're to serve one another humbly as he served his disciples. We'll remember the institution of the Lord's Supper as he said, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. But by the end of our Monday Thursday service, darkness will fall over the church. And we'll remember the darkness of Good Friday, the day on which Jesus died. And not only that, we will strip the altar and everything fine and joyful and celebratory that day and leave the altar stark and bare and lifeless just as Jesus would be the next day on Good Friday. Jesus, abandoned, betrayed by his friends, his disciples. They proved themselves not to be followers, but fans that day. You see, in Matthew 26, we learn this. Peter said to Jesus, even if I must die, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. But in the very same chapter, Still in chapter 26, when Jesus is arrested, it says that all the disciples left him and fled. They defined their relationship. They were exposed in their relationship to Jesus as not followers who were called to take up their cross and follow him anywhere, but as fans. The next day, they would watch at a safe distance the trial that would be ensuing They would watch as Jesus was mocked all alone and scourged all alone. They would watch as their rabbi is bloodied and beaten all alone. And they will watch as his body is nailed to the hardwood of the cross all alone. They were as much fans as we sometimes are and not followers. 
But you kind of ask yourself, how did the mood change so quickly in five days, right? I mean, how do you go from Hosanna in the highest to crucify him? Well, here's the deal. They remembered their glory days. They remembered a time when they had great kings and great prosperity. Kings like Solomon, who brought them great riches. They were a proud people. They were God's chosen people. They were the children of Israel, the people of promise. They were a light to the nations. God had said as much to them. And yet now, in their current time, when Jesus lived, nothing seemed to be going right. Yes, they would make their pilgrimage every year at Passover into Rome, and they would see that tall fortress, Antonia's fortress, and that was the Roman garrison. And they would remember that we're under Roman occupation. Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord. And when they took a coin out of their purse to pay for something, they would look at that coin and see Caesar's image. This is Caesar's town. This is Caesar's money. He is Lord. And yes, they allowed them to go every year to Passover in Jerusalem as long as they paid their taxes, as long as they were good citizens, and as long as they remembered that Caesar is king around here. So when Jesus rides in on a donkey, and they remember Zechariah 9.9 that the king will come on a donkey, and they think to themselves, finally, God has arrived Our liberator is here. We are freed. But when Jesus turns out not to be the prosperity king they were looking for, they turn on him. They were fickle. Give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. We have no other king but Caesar. You see what they wanted? They wanted happiness on their terms. They wanted prosperity on their terms. They wanted glory and power on their terms. And when Jesus offered them only a cross, with a mocking sign above his head, Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews. They wanted none of it. He was the biggest letdown in the world. So you can see why five days later on Friday they had had enough of this supposed king and they yelled, crucify him. Church, I challenge you today, DTR, to find the relationship that you have with Jesus. Where are you? Because the truth is, listen to this, Just because you throw a few dollars into the collection plate on a Sunday morning, and just because you come to church when it's convenient and you don't want to sleep in that morning, and just because you have three Bibles in your house and a little fish on the back of your truck, doesn't automatically make you a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, you can hang out with Jesus when it's convenient and safe. You can think that your money is, well, your money You can have three Bibles, and if you do not read them, and you can have a fish on the back of your truck and not understand what it means, and if you do those things, you're probably just an admirer, just a fan. And guess what? When the chips fall down and life turns sour, you will probably curse Jesus and walk away just like the fickle crowd did 2,000 years ago. Why? Because Jesus isn't making you prosperous. Why? Because he isn't fixing all your problems. Why? Because your life isn't going exactly as you intended it to go. And so it's important to ask that question. Are you a fan or a follower? Because the truth is that Jesus never intended any of us to be simply fans. Remember? He never intended us to sit on the sidelines of fate. 
He wanted us in the game, skin in the game, fully dressed, ready to play, willing to sacrifice, whatever it takes, Jesus, to take up our cross daily and follow him wherever God might call us to go. That's what a follower does, right? Come and follow me, he called his disciples. Take your cross daily and follow me. Jesus cared nothing about casual fans. Remember that day 2,000 years ago when he fed 5,000 people? Great day, loaves and fishes for everybody. Enough left over for a midnight snack indeed. But on that day when Jesus stopped feeding them what they wanted and said, all of this bread is pointing to me. He said that I am the true bread of life that's come down from heaven for you. When he stopped feeding them physical bread and talked about his spiritual bread, John 6, 6, 6. You know when you get to verse, chapter 6, verse 6, 6, that's going to be a bad sign, right? It says at the end of that story that that day, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They wanted all the glory of the bread and the fish. They didn't want to follow Jesus to the difficult places. In Matthew 19, another young Jew comes up to Jesus and said, I want to be one of your followers, rich guy. He's very religious. Jesus says, there's one thing I want you to do first. Go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor, then come back and be one of my followers. And that guy was heartbroken. And he walked away sad, the Bible says. The guy just didn't count the cost. He, Jesus was asking too much of him. He wanted to be a fan, but not a follower who gave all. You know, in both of those cases, Jesus doesn't chase them down and say, hold on a second, guys, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. That whole thing about taking up your cross and following me, let, let's work out a compromise. Come on back here. Be one of my followers. No, he lets them go. He lets them go to their own destruction. They prove to be fans, but not followers. So I beg you today, DTR with Jesus, define your relationship. Look deep inside personally. Look at your checkbook. Look at the things which you invest yourself in financially. It will reveal a lot about your relationship with Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be, he says. Look at your calendar. Where do you spend most of your time and your energy? Well, that's a DTR moment to find the relationship. Do you spend time with Christ and his church? Ask yourself, what do I do with disappointments and failures that come into my life? That will define the relationship for you. When life is not going as you want it to go, do you blame God? Do you quit going to church? Do you drop your life group? Do you drink more heavily than you should? Do you find other avenues to escape life's problems? Do you read the Bible less? Do you let your prayer life slip? DTR, church. But here's the good news. Our God is a God of second chances, and that's what this week, Holy Week, is all about. Remember Peter, who said, Lord, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And then three times before the cock crowed, he denied him. Peter showed that he was a fan and not a follower. But remember, Jesus gave Peter a second chance, right? Remember in John chapter 21? After Jesus is raised from the dead, he cooks fish for the disciples on the beach, and he gives them one more huge haul of fish to bring in. And as they are eating fish on the beach that day, he pulls Peter to the side, and he says, do you love me more than these? Now, nobody knows exactly what Jesus meant by that. 
He might have meant, do you love me more than these disciples? He might have meant, do you love me more than the fish fillet sandwich I just made for you? Or the huge haul of fish that y'all just brought in? Do you love me more than these things? Or he might have meant, do you love me more than the sea and your vocation? Do you love me more than your job? But at the heart of the matter, he's really asking this. Do you love me more than anything else in your life? Define the relationship, Peter. And Peter found in that relationship one of the most blessed things we can ever imagine, forgiveness. Three times Peter had denied Jesus. Three times Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Certainly what Jesus was doing is forgiving Peter and restoring him by God's grace to a faith-filled relationship. That moment was an opportunity to repent and return to the Lord with all of his heart, to recommit himself to Jesus and have a passion for the ministry that he had been called to. Peter, do you love me more than these? Define the relationship. And as you all know, he went from a fan to a follower. Peter became the leader of the Christian church. He preached the gospel vigorously and fearlessly, and literally, he took up his own cross and died for the sake of Christ. It was a defining moment for Peter. And I want you to ask yourself today, am I a fan or a follower? Am I an admirer of Jesus or a disciple? Does God exist to make me happy, or do I exist to take up my cross daily and follow Jesus. I have good news. Forgiveness and a new beginning is what Holy Week is all about. Let us pray.